Welcome to Odyssey. Odyssey is a show where we discuss the frontier of crypto's opportunities and challenges in driving real-world impact in the societies of tomorrow. Odyssey is produced thanks to the support of SAFE and Ambar Wallet. SAFE is the most trusted decentralized custody protocol and collective asset management platform on Ethereum and the EVM. Ambar Wallet is an advanced smart wallet that utilizes account abstraction, acting as a gateway to Web3 applications and providing users with secure and effortless management of their digital assets. You'll hear more about them later on in the show. Let's get to it, friends. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Odyssey. On this podcast, we have Marek, the co-founder of Cello and Valora, the CTO of Cello, and the president of Valora currently. So for those of you that aren't aware, Cello and its wider ecosystem is really centered around enabling regenerative, prosperous futures for all, particularly those who are in disenfranchised positions. Validating its first block on Earth Day of 2020, Cello has already done tremendous things, including enabling UBI for folks around the world, unlocking global payments infrastructure, bringing local stable coins to people around the world, and all while being the first carbon negative blockchain within the ecosystem. I was really excited to speak with Marek, how he came to crypto, his founder journey navigating the ecosystem, and how he and his co-founder, Renee, decided to embark on this journey. We also discussed and explore the future of Celo and Valora and some key intervention points that we see in the crypto ecosystem that Celo is particularly well poised to address and tackle. It's a really great conversation and I hope you enjoy. Today, I'm joined by Marek from Celo and Valora. Marek, it's great to have you here on the podcast. Thanks, Marcus. It's really wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Awesome. So Merrick, give us the kind of quick rundown into kind of who you are and what you're working on as well. And we'll dive into things further on, but just give the uh, audience a little bit of a situation with regards to what you're up to in the space. Sure, absolutely. So I'm a CTO uh, of a company called C-Labs. Uh, you can think of C-Labs as where a lot of the public goods development in the cellular ecosystem happens. And then I'm also president of Valora, which is really easy to use mobile wallet in the cellular ecosystem. And, um, you know, by virtue of, I guess, co-founding both of these companies, um, you know, people sometimes refer to me as a co-founder of Cello. Cool. Well, excited to dive into everything you're up to and, and the work that, that you're doing. I'm a big fan of the Cello ecosystem and, and everything you've built to date. But before we dive into that, give us the kind of personal background into Marek and, you know, who you are, how you ended up kind of jumping into the, down the crypto rabbit hole as well. Sure. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have a, a Polish background. My parents are Polish, um, but I was uh, born, and ra- born and raised in Singapore. Uh, so I grew up there and, you know, throughout college, I, I, I studied computer science. So I have a technical background. Um, I first studied at the University of Toronto, computer engineering, uh, and then went to MIT for my PhD, uh, where I was doing research on something called deterministic multi-threading. Uh, which just, you know, through serendipitous, just serendipitously is very relevant to scaling blockchains today. And uh, out of MIT, this was around 10 years ago now, um, I started my first company. It was a machine learning company um, that did well. It was venture backed and it got acquired a few years later. Um, and then after that experience, around five years ago now, uh, I teamed up with one of my co-founders from that first company, um, Rene Reinsberg, um, and then also an MIT professor, uh, Sepp Kambar, uh, and the three of us started thinking about what we wanted to do next. And uh, ultimately, one thing led to another, and, and that's how we started Cello. Awesome. So as you're ideating sort of post-exit and thinking about where you want to put your energy forth, like what, what, what was the thread that you pulled on when you said, you know, Cello needs to come into existence? Yeah, so we, we wanted to really take our time. Um, and so with the first company, you know, we were students. Um, you know, Rene was just graduating from, from his MBA. So he had student debt to pay back. And, uh, you know, I was taking this big leap of faith on a startup. We, we really wanted to go out there and raise money and get going. And so we ended up kind of falling in love with our first idea that we had, which, you know, ult- ultimately in hindsight was a great idea because the company did well, it got acquired. Uh, but it wasn't as, I would say, we weren't as methodical around that idea as we, in hindsight, wanted to be. Um, and so the second time around, we wanted to be a lot more deliberate. And we, we ended up taking half a year, actually, to, to ideate and to come up with a, a company. Uh, and we wanted to start really broad. I think when you're starting a company, 
it's really easy to fall in love with your first idea. Um, and so to try to uh, fight that, to challenge ourselves to come up with a hundred different ideas. And, you know, since this was, uh, wasn't the first company that we were starting, uh, we wanted the company to be big and mission driven. We wanted to create something that we could effectively devote the rest of our careers to. And we had lots of different ideas, uh, ones around telemedicine. Um, uh, it was even a drone <laughs> idea, which surprisingly no one's actually done yet. The incarnation of what we were thinking of doing and, uh, and then, and then cello. Um, and so we were particularly excited about both the opportunity that self-custody presented towards helping fight um, or help, helping advance, I should say, financial inclusion. Uh, and then I, we were equally excited about the program, programmability of, uh, of blockchains and ultimately of money and, and the really exciting new innovation that could come out of that. And so the more that we uh, looked into things, the more we realized that, you know, Cello was the best company of that list. And, and I was really proud of that list. So I think that says a lot. I'm sure there's some gems uh, in, in that list as well. And um, some really exciting, given everything that's emerged out of Cello, I'm sure there were some just like gems in there and, and would love to um, see what else materializes as, as things continue to unfold. And I love this idea that you really sort of had this moment of thought and pause. And I think as entrepreneurs, oftentimes it can be very enticing to just follow this very quick sort of short-term um, benefit to yourself. And it's like, yes, this is what I want to go down. This And and to take that pause and say, we're going to take six months to really think about this deeply. And what do we want to commit our lives to? I, I think is such an important sort of step along your founder journey and is reflected now in what is ultimately come to be Cello. So as you're ideating and, and going through, you know, these, these hundred ideas or so, what was it that you felt that what you noticed with self-custody with regards to driving economic freedom and the programmability of blockchains, like what was the problem? I'm sure you thought deeply about the problem, but situate the, that problem there for us where you said, yes, th there is a solution to this very specific and acute problem. Yes. Um, and so, you know, as I'm sure many of your listeners know, um, you don't need a government recognized ID to self-custody crypto assets in many legal jurisdictions. And so we were particularly interested in, in, I think, this fact, particularly when it comes to the uh, 1.1 billion people who don't have government-recognized IDs in the world, and then the 1.7 billion people, roughly, who, who aren't today served by today's financial infrastructure. Um, and so we, we were really motivated by building, initially, a global Venmo-like product uh, that anyone in the world could use. We were very inspired by WhatsApp. And in this moment in time that WhatsApp basically changed the game for texting, right? I don't know if it's really hard to think back to a time before WhatsApp, but before that time, you couldn't text someone for free anywhere in the world. Um, and then within just a span of a couple of years, suddenly this idea of messaging anybody in your contact list, any phone number in the world, be it through WhatsApp or you know many other um, apps that came up came uh, out later, uh, it just became natural and totally changed the way that we communicate worldwide. And so I think we were likewise really excited for a future where you'll be able to send stable value, much like the way that people in the U.S. Uh, use Venmo or Cash App, um, you know, not just within the U.S., but to anyone in the world, you know, as easy as sending a tech. And you know, clearly that moment hasn't happened yet in, in the world where you, yes, you can send crypto to anyone in the world. And with Valori, you can send it to any phone number in the world really easily. But it's not yet as universal as WhatsApp. Um, but we're getting closer and closer to this moment. And when it happens, it's going to totally change the world. Yeah, I, I think that that is the uh, question that I still have very present in my mind is what, you know, what are the steps that we need to take in order for that global Venmo to occur? Will it ever occur? Does it, does it look sort of this one-stop shop app? Um, or is it a diversity of, of different applications that will come through? And I think there's sort of arguments and contentions on both sides, as far as this singular app that will allow you in the same way that, as you mentioned, the U.S. send money globally, um, or have this super diverse ecosystem. And, and, Seems you obviously went to let's build out the ecosystem side of things. Let's build out all the like underlying infrastructure that would make something like this possible. Um, and 
why take that decision instead of saying, you know, in, in those, I, I know you were, Ethereum was in much earlier stages of its development and, and the EVM as, as well. And perhaps we didn't see like this clear instance where, okay, we can have, you know, mass transaction settling on the settlement layer. But what was the decision at that point to say, we want to kind of work on an entirely new layer one uh, and, and go down that route? Yeah, really great question. Um, and so the origin story, I think, there is that we, we tried to build Valora first on Ethereum in 2017. It wasn't called Valora back then, but but we uh, we worked on a kind of global Venmo-like wallet, and we just couldn't make it easy enough to use for it to ultimately satisfy this goal of of helping advance financial inclusion. Uh, and back then, you know, when we started, this was also before Maker uh, launch, so stablecoins, um, certainly before USDC launch. Stablecoins were still in their infancy, and so uh, we also were thinking about about stability. But ultimately, we we chose to build Celo and, and to launch that that platform not because we we necessarily wanted to, but we just felt that we had to. We had to create something that would enable developers to build something that was easy enough to use for any, for anyone in the world. And so uh, we worked really hard to make Celo uh, fully you know EVM compatible, fully Ethereum compatible. We we love Ethereum. We're um, big fans of the community and, and think of ourselves as within the Ethereum ecosystem. But we wanted to add a few small changes that would enable uh, folks to build uh, really easy to use mobile applications. So we, we added the ability to pay for gas with tokens. Um, this was in 2017 when the network launched. Sorry, 2020, I should say, when the network launched long before uh, account abstraction. We added the ability to send value to phone numbers um, in a privacy-preserving way. Or I should say we added the ability to verify your phone number in a privacy-preserving way and then make it possible for people to send value to your phone number or, in effect, to people in, in, your, in people's contact lists on their phones. Uh, and then we, we also worked really hard to make this work in a decentralized manner on mobile devices. And so we built a ZK Snark based like client, um, which, you know, uh, was, was quite, quite a big effort. Um, and only then once the network launched and the community st stood up the network, uh, were we then finally able to, to launch Valora on top of that and to create an experience that was what we initially imagined and, and hoped for back when we started tinkering on Ethereum. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think that, you know, I've heard you talk about as well the need for that instant finality too, which having dealt with a lot of real world utility with payments specifically, there's have been instances or people that is a resistance, right, is perhaps not having that instant finality and folks are like, oh, I don't know if I really want to trust, like, especially if you're dealing, say, with like something like an ATM, um, there's nothing to say that you can't call back that transaction at any point and um, make it therefore invalid. So love the, the very uh, thoughtful approach to building Celo. And let's walk through the journey, like where, as, as where we sit here today, 2023, having pondered deeply with regards to the, that next venture, thinking about the infrastructure that was necessary to make that possible, realizing it wasn't quite there in the, the ecosystem at the time, building that, you know, give us what, what, what's come out of the Celo ecosystem. Like where do things stand today? give the, the audience a bit of a situation and placement with regards to what has come out of the Celo ecosystem. Yeah, wonderful question. Um, so, you know, we started working on, on the platform towards the end of 2017, early 2018. Uh, we, you know, we raised seed round uh, and then at the, at the bottom of the last bear market, we raised our A round. So, you know, for folks who uh, are, are working now in this bear market and, you know, I can at least speak from personal experience that, that there's light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, hanging there. Um, but, you know, we, we, we ultimately raised that round and, and we, we worked really hard to build the, the platform. And then a community of validators, so not run by C-Labs or the Sela Foundation, uh, fully independent uh, folks. Uh, kind of banded together and, and in on Earth Day 2020, uh, very intentionally uh, chosen for that symbolic uh, meaning, um, you know, the network mined its first block or validated its first block 
um, and you know the first EVM compatible proof of stake network, I guess, was launched. So that's now over three years ago, and the network has been you know humming along really, really smoothly ever since. You know, it's only had one production incident in in those three years, and we're just really, really proud of um, yeah, just how reliable and rock solid that. Uh, the proof of stake consensus protocol has been, and you know, since then. Uh, oh, and I guess you know, really, perhaps interestingly, it's a fun fact. Uh, a week after the network launched, Celo uh, was launched with full on-chain governance, and so someone proposed uh, the very first kind of governance proposal on Celo, and that proposal was to uh, have the protocol uh, programmatically uh, offset the carbon needed to to operate the network. Um, and so, of course, the community got excited to kind of dig into the proposal and, and ultimately voted in favor of it. Um, and the initial calculations were intentionally very conservative. And so what we found now, you know, looking back, not only did this proposal um, make the network carbon neutral, it actually made it carbon negative, uh, which is really cool. Um, and so the protocol programmatically buys carbon offset credits um, from Project REN, uh, and now increasingly as of a recent proposal uh, from a bunch of um, on-chain uh, tokenized credits uh, using DEXs on Celo, um, and, um, and retires them, um, and which ultimately makes Celo carbon negative. And so we were the first chain uh, to do that, and I think as a result, a lot of refi um, protocols have come to Celo. Um, and so now we're seeing kind of a thriving ecosystem of certainly of mobile payments um, um, projects and applications and dApps, uh, but increasingly also refi or regenerative finance applications as well. Um, and so that's been really, really great to see. Um, you know, there's, there's a, a big thriving ecosystem now. We're, we're one of the few chains that Uniswap um, has deployed onto. So we're really proud about that. Uh, Curve is also on Celo. Um, and Chainlink is uh, actively working to deploy on Seller right now. And so we'll, we'll likely have a whole bunch more really exciting applications deployed on Seller soon. Um, and so there's a, a really great ecosystem forming now that is just, you know, wonderful to see. Awesome. So as if being the first EVM compatible proof of stake chain wasn't enough, it also had to be carbon negative. Um, Seems like a good life's, life's work kind of coming through there. And you know, uh, a lot of folks have copied us ever since, not on the proof of stake front, obviously that was going to happen, but on the carbon negative front. Um, and and some people think, oh, like, aren't you annoyed that, you know, it's no longer a differentiator for Celo? And, and the answer is no. You know, we did this because at the time, you know, Ethereum was proof of work. Obviously, Bitcoin was and is proof of work. And the narrative in, in the overall, both crypto and broader space was that blockchains are really bad for the environment. And, you know, we were particularly excited about what what kind of protocols you could build uh, to help fight climate change. And, and we were pretty certain that in the end, crypto would have a, a very positive impact on the environment. But we needed to try to change the narrative. We needed to actually show that you can build crypto uh, blockchains uh, in a way that actually can help fight climate change. And so we're, we're glad that the narrative has started to shift and we're really glad that others have followed suit because I think ultimately it's for the benefit of the whole planet. No, absolutely. And, and I think that's one thing that it, certainly Zello has always done really well and is it's positioned itself as a climate positive chain and naturally has, and, and people positive as well, right? And naturally I think that has brought together so many regens or folks who believe in the regenerative finance philosophy. And it feels there's sort of a, a home uh, that is felt in a very real sense because it is an entire blockchain that is de dedicated to this entire movement. So I think that that is incredibly powerful. And um, what what was the, the thought process as you've seen that? Because not a lot of, you, you've got maybe your Arbitrum, that's your DeFi chain and Optimism that does put a lot of emphasis on like public goods as well. And so... But as you're thinking about the um, Cello brand and who you wanted to market this to, like, what was that idea and, and how did that emerge as, in the earlier stages? But certainly it's like full blown now, like everyone, that is the immediate association that comes with Cello. So I'm curious to kind of hear more of that story. Yeah, it's a wonderful question. So the term regen didn't exist when we started Cello, but, you know, I think had it existed, 
we would have used it for our go to market and and uh, in order to uh, to grow and cultivate our community early on because you know I think as you pointed out this um, this is exactly uh, the community that that did form around cello and it's exactly the kind of and the things that regions work on is exactly the kinds of problems that people are working on within the cello ecosystem but yeah, it, it took a while. Um, you know, our, our mission is to build a financial system that creates the conditions for prosperity for everyone. Um, and um, our first, you know, mini conference was called Prosper, and uh, it was at that conference. It was pre the pre pandemic, um, right before SF Blockchain Week, and you know, a whole bunch of you know really amazing uh, builders and founders and you know, what, what you would now call regions all came together in, in a farm in Mendocino. And, and we had a, a wonderful, basically an unconference, uh, which uh, laid the foundation for the community that formed after the, the network launched. And it was there that, you know, a project called Impact Market, for example, uh, was uh, incubated. Impact Market is a big UBI protocol on Celo. It's it's really quite wonderful. If you haven't heard of it, definitely check it out. Impactmarket.com. And you know, so much of, I would say, the uh, soul of the Celo community kind of was sparked at that event. And and I've heard a number of folks always reference this event in Mendocino as like a key catalyst for what ultimately has now propagated outwardly as well. So great to see you building that community and nurturing that. And again, it's like I, I've had the fortune to dip in and out of it as well over the course of um, the last couple of years, too. So great to really experience that and feel that. And I think for many of us, it's like you find your tribe when you connect with folks that are related to the Silo ecosystem. Like I said in the last podcast, it was it largely just so happened that it was like a bunch of friends just happened to be connected to the cello ecosystem, you know, and, and I think that that is what a lot of folks experience are as they move through the cello community as well. So, and, and then, you know, I, I know Valora has a, an interesting story and you started off as really trying, or the early seedlings were, well, what, what would a global sort of payments wallet that was built on Ethereum look like? And we dive into a lot of that on with the conversation with Jackie, but like, tell us where Valora stands now. And, you know, cause I really do believe that it will be, wallets as this core nucleus of adoption because everything like right now just everything else across the ecosystem is so hard like far too complex to use um we've had an buyer on this podcast as well and they they do a lot of work with regards to like abstracting away a lot of the complexity safe too will be coming on but I'd, I'd love to get your thesis with like why focus a lot of energy now uh into valora I, you know i gather that's like a big emphasis of yours but give us your uh, mind map and thesis there yeah definitely um yeah i mean so you know valora was was there from the beginning um as you said it, it ultimately uh we ultimately ended up building it side by side with the seller platform and so some of the features that we built like the ability to pay for gas with tokens we didn't really know ahead of time that we would need until until we started building valora at the same time um, we knew we needed a way to send value to phone numbers really easily. So that was there from the get-go. But, you know, the like client, the uh, the ability to pay for gas with tokens, all of that came from just building the two products at the same time, taking this kind of full-stack approach that we, uh, we like to compare to kind of Apple's approach to building the hardware and the software at the same time and, and creating this really wonderful um, experience that others can't replicate because, because they are doing both at the same time. And so that was the approach that we took to Valora. And, you know, obviously after the network launch, we were in a position finally to, to launch Valora. Uh, we built it within C-Labs initially. Uh, and then right around the time that it launched and, and usage started to take off, we, we decided to spin it out of C-Labs um, and, and uh, fundraise for it as an independent company uh, and, and turn it into the company that it is today. And it's been going, you know, really well ever since. The uh, We now have over a million um, installs. Uh, usage keeps growing. We have a lot of our users, not surprisingly, in, in emerging markets. Uh, in Latin America, throughout Africa, those are pretty big uh, continents for us. Um, and and we see people using it, you know, the way that we envisioned. So, you know, 
if you look at the home screen, the, the two buttons that are the primary actions on the home screen are send and request. Uh, and so even though it's a crypto wallet, it's really tuned towards making it really easy for people to, to send stable coins, um, now Mento stable coins um, that, that have launched on the platform uh, and, and send them to anyone in your contact list. It's a really easy experience. It, it, it feels you know, as snappy and responsive as a centralized offering, uh, but it's fully self-custodial, um, you know, built on Celo. It's, um, and it's just a really you know, delight, I would say, to use. The, along the way, we, we saw the power of making this be more than just a global Venmo. And so the wallet started um, working as a signing wallet for um, Wallet Connect, dApps, Eventually, we, we brought in a DApp browser into the wallet uh, so that people can use those DApps really easily within, within Valora. Um, and, and I think that uh, makes Valora, I think, definitely have a broader, broader functionality than the initial goal. But I think it really complements the initial goal because what we're seeing is, for example, people building UBI dApps where people can claim their UBI from within Valora. Uh, and then and then we see that money circulating in those communities uh, much the way that we you know envisioned initially. Likewise, sometimes DeFi applications are useful for people if they're trying to exchange between, for example, the, the C-Real, which is Mentos um, Brazilian stablecoin, and you know, CUSD, which is kind of their... U.S. dollar pegged stablecoin. Um, you know, it's really easy to do that um, with with all the DEXs on Celo. Um, you know, obviously lending and saving protocols and, and all of those uh, additional protocols are also seeing a lot of value within the ecosystem and um, especially, you know, for Valora users. Uh, so that's been really cool to see uh, because it effectively made Valora, you know, something that can be extended by any developer out there. Uh, interested in targeting uh, these kinds of use cases and these kinds of users. And it's just been a, a joy collaborating with those developers. Um, going forward, though, um, you know, I think the biggest challenge, I would say, today is, is the fact that on and off ramping in, in every country in the world, in, in a seamless experience within the application, uh, is not possible. Um, you can on and off ramp with credit cards in almost every country in the world, but uh, if you want to have a, a lower fee path that integrates directly into local payment providers, that we hypothesize will take hundreds uh, of on and off ramps all around the world popping up that have local licenses, that have local relationships with on and off with um, tra traditional financial institutions. Um, and ultimately that, that will integrate uh, with Valora. Uh, and so we're doing a lot of work um, actually uh, on something called Fiat Connect, which is designed to, to make that transition to having a wallet that's integrated with hundreds of on and off ramps possible. If you haven't yet explored the benefits of smart wallets and account abstraction, you should definitely check out Ambire Wallet. It is the wallet you wish you had when you started your crypto journey. Empire works with all EVM chains out there, the layer twos like Arbitrum, Optimism, Polygon, but also non-Ethereum ecosystems like Avalanche and Phantom. You'll never have to spend your valuable ETH again, because Empire Wallet lets you pay for gas in stablecoins, one of the many perks of smart accounts. The web application of Empire Wallet offers a number of fiat on-ramps for seamless conversion of fiat currency into crypto. And if you prefer self-custody with a safety net, you can recover a lost Empire Wallet using an email address and password without giving the Ambire team any control over your funds. Ambire Wallet is available on both mobile and web platforms, providing a range of features, including a gas saving mechanism, effortless integration with multiple dApps, transaction batching, and more cool functionalities to enhance your digital asset management experience. Stay tuned as an extension of Ambire Wallet is coming soon, TM, to expand its accessibility even further. Want to get your hands on the Ambire Wallet? Check it out at ambire.com. And now, Let's get back to the show. Awesome. Yeah. So I love, again, just very product-driven approach with starting off with what would a global Venmo need? Okay. There's all this infrastructure that's missing. Cool. We've built that. Now let's think about all the other integrations that exist and sort of developed as well. I mean, 
DeFi lending and savings protocols didn't exist at the time. And right. And then all of a sudden you're able to see, okay, cool. We can, you know, get Uniswap on here, curve, so on. So great to see that expansion happening uh, simultaneously and, and that interoperability uh, standard really embedding itself into the solo ecosystem. And then the off-ramp piece, you know, I think this is like 100% the biggest chokehold right now. And even this whole choke point operation that is often talked about it, it, that is the intention is let's get, let's strand people in or out of crypto. Um, and so I heard you talk about Fiat Connect at, at Shelling Point at ETH Denver a couple of months ago. And, and, but give us like a sense of what's going on there, why, you know, you've got a substantial amount of energy going into that project as well. But what's the thesis behind Fiat Connect? Yeah, so the thesis is uh, really one around uh, interoperability. We really foresee hundreds, maybe even thousands of on and off ramps globally spinning up. Um, I think it's just too difficult of, given how regulated this industry is, it's just too difficult for any one company to command a, a huge market share globally of this space. And so that points naturally to many companies forming, and, and we're seeing this uh, very uh, clearly in, in a lot of the markets that Valora is growing in and operating in. There's a lot of interest by local entrepreneurs to build on and off ramps to target those markets. And, and that presents a challenge for you know Valora, but really any wallet um, in, in the crypto space, because if every on and off ramp provider builds a bespoke web-based API that, that wallets and dApps have to integrate with, then the end result is that every wallet and dApp out there will have to integrate with you know hundreds of on and off ramps with all of their bespoke uh, APIs. Um, and that's, you know, I like to joke that, you know, that's like the worst nightmare for any developer, right? Because it's just all grunt work. It's all maintenance work. It's, it's a pain in the butt. And the end experience for users is also not always that great because all of these bespoke APIs have their own custom um, UI experiences that typically they expect folks to embed through a web view into a wallet. And the end result is not that great for end users. And so our solution to this problem is is one that you know is, is pretty pretty common throughout you know the software industry, and that's to create a standard similar to Wallet Connect, that effectively standardizes the way that wallets and apps communicate with on and off ramps. Um, and so that standard is Fiat Connect, and you can learn more about it at fiatconnect.org. Um, and very intentionally, we made Fiat Connect a backend um, API standard, which means that it's a, it's a way for wallets and on and off ramps to communicate but the the experience for the end user is still one that the wallet or DAP, if, if you have a DAP that's integrated with an on and off ramp, it's one where the wallet or DAP offer that and effectively implement that, that experience. And so wallets and DAPs are in, have full control over what that looks like. And as a result, you can make it look native and feel just like connecting your bank account to your Venmo wallet. So one, it makes the experience much easier for end users, but two, it also makes it much easier for wallets to integrate new on and off ramps as they come up because integrating them effectively becomes just adding a configuration entry uh, in a configuration file to effectively enable this new on and off ramp. Um, and so, uh, we're, we're pretty excited about it. It's, um, you know, solving a really critical need, I would say, in, in the broader crypto space. And, and if you believe, you know, in a future where payments will happen on public blockchains um, globally, um, then clearly there's going to be a transition period uh, where people will need to go back and forth between fiat and crypto. Uh, really easily. And, and the only way we can achieve that is, is if we uh, just standardize um, how, how that transition looks like from, from an API perspective. Um, you know, we, we launched, uh, or I should say Valora launched the spec um, last year. Uh, and then after that, the Seller Foundation was generous enough to, to throw some pretty big incentives behind it. Um, you know, there's this really famous XKCD 
uh, cartoon where the uh, on in the cartoon, you know, someone is joking about how um, you know there's too many ways to do something. Let's add a, a, an extra way to do something that will unify everyone. You know, but uh, without creating a shelling point around that, you know, additional uh, standard, all you've done is just added to the mess and you've added one more way to actually integrate with with um, whatever you're integrating with in the case of that comic. Um, and so our goal right now is really to build a shelling point around Fiat Connect to make everyone, you know, adopt it as the standard for connecting wallets and apps with on and off ramps. And to get there, I think the most important thing is to have a lot of on and off ramps that support it. And so the, the Sela Foundation effectively created a competition called Connect the World that uh, gives a pretty sizable reward to the first on and off ramp in every market in the world, in every country in the world to implement Fiat Connect and go live. Um, and that's been working well. There's been, um, I think, 50 or so companies uh, that have actively started um, building against it, uh, third no, 12 markets, I believe, are live now with more coming soon, if, if not already. I believe 10 of those markets are in Africa and then also India and the Philippines uh, as well. Uh, and there's many, many more markets that are about to go live soon. And so it's really wonderful. Um, in those 12 markets now in Valora, you can, for example, cash out seamlessly either to local money, uh, financial rails or to a bank account. Uh, it looks and feels fully native. Uh, the fees are, are low because part of the Connect the World prize money goes towards a fee waiver. Uh, and so it's a, it's a really wonderful experience for people in those markets. And our goal is to bring that effectively to every country in the world. SAFE, previously known as NoSaySafe, is a decentralized custody protocol securing $60 billion in assets today. It is establishing a universal standard for secure custody of digital assets, data, and identity. SAFE is on a mission to unlock digital ownership for everyone in Web3, including DAOs, enterprise, retail, and institutional users, both through their SAFE core account abstraction infrastructure, and of course, its flagship product, the SAFE wallet, the wallet we all know and love. Start using SAFE for building on top of the SAFE core account abstraction stack by visiting safe.global. And now, let's get back to the show. Amazing, amazing. I know um, Latin America has a, a few missing gaps out there. Mm -hmm. If there are any uh, listeners here who are interested in checking out uh, the Connect the World program, definitely do. Um, I, I think that one, as I mentioned earlier, is off-ramps are a huge challenge logistically, but also a big point of centralization. And a lot of value ends up accruing to these on and off-ramps and can oftentimes restrict the extent to which there is adoption for, as a consequence of certain policies or whatever restrictions are in place. So I think as seamless of an experience as we can offer folks, I think that will certainly be a huge catalyst for for more adoption. And I, really, I mean, you mentioned all the countries that you're deploying this Fiat Connect. Can't help but notice that a lot of them are in the global south. And obviously, a lot of the work that you do is focused on the global south. So as a last kind of point of, of conversation or theme for this podcast is like exploring that aspect as well. Like what has it been like working and specifically developing products for the global south. A lot of the folks who are listening are based in Latin America, Africa, Asia. And, you know, when you think about a lot of blockchains, generally focusing on global south users is not always a priority. So, you know, what are, what are the nuances involved in that? Or how, how does Celo think about the relationship that you have with, with your users as well? Yeah, really wonderful question. Um... I mean, I think it, it's it's really absolutely incredible to to be building for this audience and to be building products that are are delivering real value today. You know, I think crypto gets um, a, a bad rap um, for being you know something that doesn't offer any external value to people. Uh, that it's all you know just money within crypto um, circulating, um, and, and that it's unclear if there's any real world value or use cases being offered. Um, and I think when you're you're building in this way, you know, I think it's very obvious that that you're you're hundred percent building for, you know, real usage and, and creating real value to people today. And it's it's also obvious that that crypto in these markets um, plays this role today, right? I think um, it's it's clearly an incredible platform to to leapfrog traditional financial infrastructure in markets where that financial infrastructure hasn't 
yet evolve to kind of what we're used to in in kind of North America. Yeah, and then in terms of the kind of the impact, you know, I think we've been just really, really humbled. You know, we were talking about the community and uh, and kind of this platform approach to, to kind of solving some of these challenges. You know, if you if you read the initial seller white paper, we you know we definitely talk about this kind of global Venmo use case and sending stable value to phone numbers, and that was you know the bulk of the the text. Uh, but we also talked about UBI and social dividend. We talked about community currencies and the impact that they can have. We talked about even nature-backed assets. Uh, long before refi was a thing, you know, we were really excited about this idea that Charles Eisenstein had uh, in a, in a book called Sacred Economics, which he wrote, you know, before Bitcoin even. And you know, it was our dream that we'd be able to. To deliver on on each of these different points, and that's why we talked about them in the white paper. Uh, and it's just been so incredible to see uh, the community um, come together and actually tackle some of these. Right. So you have Impact Market now and Good Dollar that you know have all raised or that have both raised millions of dollars and dispersed um, you know a UBI like reward to um, over half a million kind of beneficiaries around. 26 emerging markets. Uh, it's just so incredible to see. We've got Mento, uh, which is a stablecoin platform now that has three stablecoins. They're soon going to launch a lot more. Their goal is to launch a stablecoin for every currency in the world. And they have ambitions to back some of those stablecoins in part with refi assets. And it's, they're, they're already backing um, the the three that are alive today with um, Moss Carbon Offset Credits in part. The Collectivo Gilder is, has built a community currency uh, that, that is now starting to circulate in, in Curaçao. Um, that currency is also uh, backed in part by natural capital. And so that's been incredible to see. It's just been so uh, amazing to see all of these different ideas and, and many other really compelling ones, right? Like Sylvie has, has a protocol that's planting trees in Kenya and then incentivizing others to verify that those trees were planted correctly. In effect, creating a, a way to inject capital into, into these communities. And so now there's these farmer communities in Kenya that that are using Valora and money is circulating within those communities. Um, it, it's just really cool to see. And so there's there's a lot of really amazing um, offerings that are popping up. Uh, I'm In some cases, I'm really jealous because I have to spend so much time on the core platform itself. Uh, and I'm not the only one. Like I think um, Cello's mission and Cello's focus has attracted a lot of people who, who care about these use cases, who want to build these use cases. Um, but certainly on the C-Labs front, you know, we're, we have to deliver the platform. And so we keep trying to stay one step removed so that we can build what, what the builders delivering for those use cases are, are looking to do. Mm, amazing. I mean, nature-backed assets, UBI, stablecoin in every currency. I, I mean, it really is to me as, as someone who like just deeply believes in crypto's opportunity to deliver these trustless um, and permissionless sort of engagements with folks. I think it's super powerful and an important flag that Cello is holding, you know, and, and, and stewarding for the rest of the ecosystem, because it is not often that we get to, you know, sort of hear and see where crypto is actually driving change in people's lives. Um, and I know that is a frustration that I personally have. And when we see a lot of other things start to accrue people's mind space that you think, well, you know, we have so much potential here and this is where we're dedicating ourselves to. So just like, you know, huge, um, yeah, just in, in admiration and awe of all the work that the C-Labs team and Cello and Valora and all the community continues to build because I, you know, as I started off, it, to me, it's always really surprising and uh, heartwarming to know that you're dedicating so much energy to really thinking, okay, let's, let's change things. You know, things don't have to be the way they are. We have the technology in theory to disrupt a lot of these nodes of power um, and offer a, a different way of thinking about nature and, and our assets and so on. So like, with that point, like what, what's the future of, of Celo? Like, where do you see things heading? What's coming up um, that pe people should keep an eye out for as well? Yeah, really wonderful question. So I think in the um, in the Celo ecosystem, I think a lot of people are looking forward to to Chainlink launching on Celo. 
Um, they're actively working on that right now. Uh, Chainlink, of course, is kind of the, the most trusted and biggest Oracle in the broader crypto ecosystem, and it will unlock certainly a lot of DeFi uh, applications, um, but also refi applications. So they're, they're particularly excited about refi, refi use cases, especially as they relate to MRV, um, you know, measurement, recording, and verification. There's a lot of work in, in the refi ecosystem that, that depends on um, bringing data off chain and having it be on chain and so uh, i think Chainlink will will definitely unlock um, a lot of really cool use cases um you know obviously in the DeFi ecosystem as well and uh certainly for for mobile DeFi users i think it will be a big unlock um so that that's coming out you know they they've long committed to doing this but you know now they're actively building um which uh, is means that they're you know really really close to to, to that launch. Uh, so that's I think a, a big one. Another thing I've seen people get really excited about is Kickstarter. Uh, so Kickstarter announced that they are you know building a decentralized version of Kickstarter uh, and and planning to launch that on Celo. Uh, I've seen the demo uh, recently, uh, and it's really quite incredible. Um, really, you have to give. Uh, Kickstarter credit for for the way that they've done this. It's 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 a true Web three native experience. It's it's exactly what you would expect from a decentralized Kickstarter. And so um, I'm you know super excited about that. I think the the impact that a Kickstarter like protocol could have um, on the on the world, I think, is just absolutely massive. I think it's going to be mm-hmm. orders of magnitude bigger than than the incredible impact that Kickstarter has had today already. Um, so that's that's a really exciting one. Opera is also doing a lot in, in the Celo ecosystem now. So Opera Mini is uh, a really popular browser in, um, in emerging markets. I think they have over 100 million monthly active users. Uh, they have a wallet now that supports Celo and, and they're, uh, from what I've heard, integrating Fiat Connect. Um, and so... I think that will also be uh, really, really big and exciting for the for the ecosystem. Awesome, yeah, lots of um, lots of really exciting things coming, both infrastructure level, but also just like application layer as well. So glad to see you kind of onboard that on on both ends. So great, yeah. Matt, and then on the refi yeah. front, it might also be worth just mentioning. You know, the the Climate Collective just recently. Uh, received a, a really big grant from the the Cello Community Fund, um, and um, and they're you know continuing to um, kind of steward the the kind of refi ecosystem within within Cello. And so, if you're a refi builder and, and you're excited about what you've heard and excited about Cello, then I would highly recommend checking out. Um, Climate Collective as well. So it's just climatecollective.org. It's an incredibly strong team with a, a really strong climate background, actually. Um, and um, yeah, I think the ecosystem is just really, I think, lucky to, to have them within the ecosystem. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, definitely go check out all those projects and, and stay up to date with a lot of the developments. I think that oftentimes, you know, we can all exist in our own little silos of even blockchains, right? And so being able to peer into what's happening in the solo ecosystem, I think is certainly something that I would super highly encourage. So just to wrap things up here, Marek, is there anything we haven't touched on with regards to Cello or Valora um, or, you know, any advice for founders who are trying to navigate that idea space or a- anything really free, free space? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. You know, I think, I think it's a really interesting time, I would say in crypto um you know i think some people are saying that all of the builders have moved to ai (laughs) which you know i think you know obviously there's a lot of excitement about ai right now but you know if you look at the raw numbers um that you know folks like um electric capital put out you know um there's more full-time devs right now than there were this time last year um and any dip that has happened you know around the time of ftx i think is still relatively relatively small uh, especially if you look at the trend over the last um, um, you know four eight uh, plus years uh, you know there's in effect more builders right now in the crypto ecosystem than ever before and so 
I'm I'm really excited about uh, about its future, and I think more importantly than any of this, um, you know, at its core, you know, the the programmability that crypto has really makes it a social coordination medium like we've never seen before. Um, you know, I like to kind of point to the Constitution DAO. You know, the fact that they raise forty seven million dollars in one week. And try something as you know audacious as you know trying to buy a copy of the U.S. Constitution. I think is a really great testament to just the power that crypto offers to take on really big and ambitious things. Um, and so, you know, offering a cheap UBI to anyone in the world, creating protocols that incentivize tree planting, creating stable coins that are backed by these trees. Having people then choose these stable coins for their day-to-day transactions to help fight climate change. You know, these are really big and ambitious things that sound a lot like science fiction, but they're actually now increasingly possible. Um, and I'm super excited about that. I hope I hope your listeners are super excited. And and if they are, you know, I think now is a really great time to to enter the space and and to and to build you know those science fictiony like things because they're going to happen one way or another uh, and it's gonna it's gonna be super impactful so yeah I'm yeah just uh, excited for for what's to come awesome absolutely and and excited to see what comes out of the solo ecosystem given already and I mean you already mentioned these kind of layers of programmability that stack up on top of each other so. Really looking forward to seeing what emerges and, and what will continue to, to flourish. So where can uh, the audience find you and the work you're doing? Any links you want to share with folks? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I think first and foremost, cello.org and, and velora.xyz is where you'll find um, more information about cello and, and velora. Uh, if you're you know curious to, to follow me on, on Twitter, you can find me at just Merrick underscore. I have a very long and difficult to spell last name. And so I'm sparing you all of that effort. You can just replace my last name with an underscore. Uh, so just M-A-R-E-K underscore. Um, and um, yeah, certainly, you know, if you're on Twitter, check check Cello Oregon and Valora uh, as well uh, out. You know, there's a lot of content that they put out. Um, so definitely a good place to stay informed. Awesome. Awesome. Great, Merrick. Well, really appreciate you coming on the podcast and uh, look forward to seeing you around the crypto conference somewhere. Yeah, thanks for having me and absolutely looking forward to seeing you and you know any of your listeners uh, at any, any upcoming events. I, I tend to, to travel to a lot of these conferences. So hopefully I'll see you, see you all there. Awesome. All right, Merrick. Have a good one. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Odyssey. And thank you for joining us on our collective journey as we look to explore where crypto has the opportunity to drive real-world impact in the societies of tomorrow. If you haven't yet already, make sure you subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and also that you've joined our Telegram community, which you'll find below. I'll see you on the next one.